Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Ryan Huang. Now, financial scams have been making the news quite a bit in the past year. And a question now being asked, who should be at fault? Or at least who is at fault more? Should a bank customer bear more of the blame? Or should banks be held more responsible? Well, we are perhaps one step closer to getting that answered a consultation paper on an equitable loss-sharing framework for financial scams is set to be published by the Singapore government this month. The framework which aims to spell out how losses from scams are to be shared between consumers and financial institutions was actually first announced back in February 2022. You might remember this. Close to 800 OCBC customers lost a combined $13.7 $13.7 million to scammers. Well, joining us this morning to help break down the complexities as well as the considerations behind such a framework, we have with us Nidia Ramolina, Assistant Professor of Law and Head of Industry Relations at the Centre for AI and Data Governance at the Singapore Management University. Welcome to the show, Professor Ramolina. Hello, good morning. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, it's great having you on. Now, I need your help first to define equitable sharing of scam losses. What does that mean to you? What does that mean exactly? That's a very good question because in this debate, sometimes we lost the like the view on the actual picture of the issue. We have to talk about, in, in terms of the scam losses, of unauthorized payments and authorized payments. Unauthorized payment is where that such a payment is where an authorized and an authorized third party takes over the account with compromised or stolen credentials to make unauthorized payments. In those cases, it's much clearer that the bank is usually liable for uh, compensating the losses in those cases. And why is that? Because, of course, the bank has a duty of taking certain measures and certain provisions and complying with certain regulations to prevent that from happening, like to prevent thieves from taking over the account of a client and make unauthorized payments. But the problem today is with authorized payments, Mm. what we call in financial regulation APP fraud, authorized push payment fraud. What does that mean? When a client makes a payment that seems to be authorized, but the payment behind it, there's someone that is deceiving the client in order to make that payment. So in those cases, it is not that clear how the bank should respond from a liability perspective. And why is that? Because everyone, the client, the bank, at the beginning thinks that the payment is legitimate. So the client wants to do the payment. Even in some cases, we've seen that it's difficult for the client to convince himself that is falling victim for a scam. Even if the bank prevents at some point the client to make the payment, if the bank calls the client, even the client could be saying to the bank, no, I want to make this payment, but because the client is deceived by someone else in making that payment. So in the debate of equitable sharing of scam losses, we need to distinguish between those two, unauthorized payments and authorized payments. What to do with authorized payments? Those very controversial cases. Well, we have different solutions. We haven't arrived to one solution worldwide. In some jurisdictions, what the banking sector or regulations have said is that banks need to step up. Step Mm. up in the sense of contributing more in sharing the loss with the clients or even between banks to take the client outside of that debate. 
Yeah, that's a good overview of how complex this um, situation is right now. When you talk about fairness, you know, there is this point being made that banks have all the resources, they've got all the data, you know, they can track the trend, you know, how many people are falling for the same transactions, that sort of thing. And then there's the argument that they should be doing more. So how best should or can we determine when financial institutions should share the loss of victims? When you actually talk about fairness and sharing the losses, we think about, when I think about this issue from an academic perspective, I want to think about a solution that is efficient as well. And that comes with fairness too. What does that mean? Who is precisely, as you said, in a better position to prevent this and in case that this happens to bear the losses? So what the literature has said and other jurisdictions is that banks are sometimes in a better position to prevent these things from happening. So if we put the incentives on the banking sector to promote more initiatives Mm. and implement more measures to prevent this from happening because they have to bear the losses in the future if something happens, that's when you have a more fair treatment in the way we compensate losses in, in this type of scams. However, what we are seeing nowadays is that with the entrance of artificial intelligence, deep fakes and the sophistication of certain frauds and scammers, maybe the banks are not the ones that should be only liable or only in charge of preventing this scams from happening. So it's also kind of unfair to see the way the new technologies operate, that the banks are bearing all this responsibility under, above their shoulders. Uh, we have social media platforms, for example, disbursing this content and providing this content to consumers that, are, that is content that is fake in most cases that is of, of these type of scams, in which, for example, the customer thinks that is buying a product that is just a fake website or a fake advertisement, and that is part also of the ecosystem of APP fraud. Yeah, so you've got so much to chew on and banks have a lot to catch up on as well. So, so much is advancing at such a fast pace. Now, we don't have details yet from that paper to be published. Authorities previously indicated that customers should have a responsibility to take necessary precautions and should be expected to bear a proportion of the loss depending on whether they have fallen short of their responsibility. So it's quite a tough one to, I guess, quantify. How best can this be determined? That will be the key question. And as I said, different jurisdictions have arrived to different solutions. For example, the UK said, we are stepping up and we want banks to compensate in most cases consumers, but uh, the standard for negligence will be gross negligence for clients. So it doesn't mean that 100% of the cases will be reimbursed, but most of them, because proving the gross negligence from a client is going to be very difficult for a bank. However, the losses are shared between the two banks that are involved in a fraud So the originator and the recipient of the payment. So it's not only the bank who owns the client, but also the bank who receives the payment or whose client is the fraudster. So the two banks are in charge of sharing Mm -hmm. the losses in those cases. And the gross negligence standard is not that clear, is not 100% clear. And we still need to see how those discussions developed in the future, because we still need to see how the FCA and other authorities in the UK, the Financial Conduct Authority, clarifies Mm -hmm. what exactly is the gross negligence standard. But of course, regulators don't want consumers to be reckless 
or to incentivize and increase moral hazard from financial consumers. Yeah, you pointed out the UK, they've got something going on where from next year, banks should be required by law to reimburse fraud victims. So from a legal perspective, you know, are there concerns surrounding such a law here if we want to have something similar? Could you draw some parallels from other countries? Well, we already mentioned briefly what the UK has decided, but interestingly, at the same time, the Supreme Court in the UK has a different stance on this issue. The UK Supreme Court appeal actually decided in favor of a, a very large bank in the UK in a case over push payment fraud. And in this case, the Supreme Court said that the convenience and the efficiency that is expected from payment system is not compatible with certain requirements in terms of ordering, for example, the compensation in all cases in these scam in these scams because that is just not compatible with principles of banking law. So we still need to see how this new framework mm, yep. develops because this was a statutory and it's not necessarily a right to the case law and the discussions in the court system. In other jurisdictions in the U.S., interestingly, the bank who bears the losses is the bank of the fraudster, so the recipient. And this is a self-regulatory type of initiative. It's not something that is mandated by regulation, but it's something that started as in the U.K. a couple of years ago which was initiated by the banking sector. The major payment and platform in the U.S. and the banks involved in it have decided that the recipient, the bank uh, of, of the froster, is going to be the one who bears the losses and has the burden of proof. Also with a standard of gross negligence applicable to the claim without being that clear of what exactly gross, mm. gross negligence means. All right, Prof, uh, let's bring it back to the idea that we want to work towards a framework. So what factors do you think need to be considered before we fix it up? Does it need to have a mix of carrots and sticks where you've got penalties as well as incentives for banks to do something? I think one major element and a crucial part of this debate is thinking about the stakeholders, not only the banking sector, even though the duty of care of banks and how it develops in this era of uh, authorized push payment fraud, it's important to debate and is at the heart of the matter. It is also important to think about what should we do in terms of other stakeholders, social media platforms, fake websites that are there, content that is fake that affects and, and provides a platform for these scammers to operate. So it's important to think about what to do in those cases and how to step up in terms of other measures, not only those that are put in place in the financial sector. Also, another thing that we have to think about is the cost-benefit analysis. The UK tried to do that when they proposed the change in the legislation in terms of compensation for scam losses, but the authorities were very conscious in saying that they were not interested in measuring the impact in, the, in terms of the cost of financial services in the UK. So how cost, how these measures, how this new policy was going to affect the cost of financial services and payment services in the UK. That's something that maybe Singapore cannot ignore in the policy debate. And why is that? Because of, of Singapore's interest in enhancing its position as a fintech hub in developing the payment system, so that's something that Singapore needs to think more thoroughly than the UK probably. So the cost-benefit analysis is a big part of it. And as I said, mm-hmm. including other stakeholders in the debate. Yeah, it's a big discussion. Who should bear more of the blame when it comes to financial scams, banks or customers? That will continue to be debated. We've been chatting with Nida Remolina, 
She is the Assistant Professor of Law and Head of Industry Relations at the Center for AI and Data Governance at Singapore Management University. Professor Remolina, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Have a great day too. Stay Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.